Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, the podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of February 18th, 2021, including Xbox is releasing a first-party headset that looks really cool and is sold out everywhere. Xbox Series X will begin supporting frame rate boosts for older Xbox One titles. Halo Wars is dead, and 343 likes how sad that makes you, and more. Welcome to week 89 of Xbox On. We've got a little bit of a different setup this week. Not really anything that you'll notice, just something different for me because right now my girlfriend is using the computer desk where I normally sit down and have my monitors and everything set up for the podcast, but she's got a a new job and she's sometimes working late because she works on Utah hours like some freaking person who lives in Utah and that's fine. I've been relegated to the bedroom, so now I'm I'm sitting here in the bedroom on the surface just with this makeshift makeshift setup. But you know what? I like this because it means if we can make Xbox on just as good as it always is, and it is good, if we can make it just the same as it always is under these harsh conditions, under these depraved and, and, and desperate conditions, then I think that's a testament to what a great show this is. And uh, if, you, if you'll just allow me to pat myself on the back, I just want to let you guys know I don't care what computer desk is being taken up at the time or or what the people in Utah need at any given time. I will always make a place, make a time, and find a way to get this show out to you when I fucking promise I would. Which is a reminder is every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. You can go over to YouTube.com. It's where everyone likes to comment or it's where people who like to comment go to comment. Why do I bring that up? Because, well, we're going to start off the show with our comment or our favorite section or or section that I at least spend the most time on, which is the comments. But before I can talk about the comments, I actually want to just start with a little, please, it's been a long day of work. Allow me to just ease into this. Please stop rushing me. I can feel you rushing me. There's a lot of pressure on me right now. I need you. I need you to stop. Okay. Thank you. So yeah, I was uh, driving home today from work and I got a notification on my phone. Uh, I was at a red light, of course, because who the hell texts and drive? That's for texting and driving is for losers. But I got a notification that the new Nintendo Direct had just started. And I was like, you know what? I've seen people talking about this, you know, today, Wednesday is the day of this recording. Uh, a lot of people have been talking about this new Nintendo Direct, how apparently it's supposed to be like, you know, a big deal since Nintendo hasn't really done jack shit for the past year. All they did was release Animal Crossing, sell way too many copies of it, and get all the praise in the world for being Nintendo. Meanwhile, they've done literally nothing else and just been like constantly praised for being the greatest company of all time. I think they even won a Nobel Peace Prize for simply not releasing any fucking games in 2020. So, anyway... I bring this up because I'm just like, you know what, I I shit on Nintendo a lot, and I feel like I've spent no time with Nintendo the past year, and maybe that's just because Nintendo doesn't put out games anymore, but I was like, fuck it, let me watch this direct, let me feed into the hype a little bit, like, I want to believe the shit I'm seeing on Twitter, you know, there's rumors saying, oh, this is going to be like an E3 quality stream, you know, they have so much news to talk about because it's been so long since they've done a direct, and and I'm I'm hoping, I'm like, let me, let me drink some of this Kool-Aid, let me fall into this, even if it's, even if I'm going to be duped into believing this, you know, like, I want to believe it for a little bit, because I, I want to go back to when I was a bigger Nintendo fan, and when Nintendo actually put video games out, and actually, like, 
made new video games instead of just re-releasing old games. I'm like, all right, let's just pretend. Let's just tune in. Maybe they'll show Metroid Prime 4. Maybe they'll do something cool. Maybe they'll put out a new game. Maybe they'll stop harping on the same three franchises and use one of their other 800 franchises they have that they refuse to acknowledge. Like, maybe this won't just be more Super Smash Bros. and Fire Emblem. And so, you know, I turn it on. I'm like, here I am. I'm driving. I'm sitting in traffic anyway. I might as well just listen to the audio, hear the announcements. And, God, like just one after another. It's like stupid indie game, port of a Wii U game, some fucking free to play game. You've already been playing on PlayStation or Xbox for like four years now. Uh, update to animal crossing update to this other game we put out four years ago, which was a remake of another game that we put on Wii U that no one ever bought. And then it's just like all this like cascading bullshit of like, all right, Nintendo, let me get this straight. So you haven't done shit since last March when you put out Animal Crossing, which, you know, in all fairness, even though it wasn't my game, my, my cup of tea, it was a very big release for you. It sold incredibly well. It's an amazingly popular game. It's a massive success for you guys. I get it. But you haven't done shit since that game. You haven't talked about anything. You haven't put anything out. You literally do nothing. You just sit there, you smell your own farts, and you sell, and you sell millions and millions of Switch units for doing nothing. Like, show me a fucking game. And... They, uh, they did what Nintendo does best, and they did absolutely nothing. In fact, the, literally the only announcement... I mean, they're remaking Skyward Sword, which I guess was just a given. It was only a matter of time before they did that. And technically, Skyward Sword's my favorite Zelda game, which I know is a, is a hot take, but I only bring that up to say, you know, I guess that's cool, right? But even that was kind of lame, because they just jinxed everyone. They're just Or not jinxed, but they just fucking duped everyone. They were like, hey, hey, hey guys... You know, we're making that Breath of the Wild 2 that you all care about. Well, we're not here to talk to you about that. We're actually here to tell you that we're porting over a Wii game that only Jesse likes uh, to the Switch. And uh, fuck you. It just consistently blows my mind. It's like, I, I, don't, I haven't seen how the internet's reacting to the, to the Nintendo Direct because I got home from work, quickly like shower, get ready, record the podcast. So I'm not really tuned into how people are reacting to it. But I, I'm just thinking to myself, it's like, dude, literally, if, if Xbox puts out a show half as bad as this, like, dude, la- last May... Microsoft did that that stream for the Xbox Series X, and it was the third-party stream. It was the one where they showed off, like, like Stalker 2 and, and Scarlet Nexus and all those fucking, you know, third-party games and, and Second Extinction and The Ascent and all these games. I remember when that stream happened, everyone was like, holy fucking shit, you blew it, Microsoft. You showed no gameplay. It was all announcement trailers. No gameplay. Fuck you. Xbox sucks. PS5. All, you know, all this shit. And I'm, I'm just sitting there like, dude, I, I mean, I... Fair criticism that they didn't show a lot of gameplay, but, like, they announced a lot of fucking cool games at that event. A lot of games that I'm still, like, really excited to play. It's like, we're so quick to shit on Xbox for, like, putting out a bunch of new information about games we've never heard of, about unique titles we've never seen before. But, you know, if it's not 25 minutes of new Halo Infinite gameplay footage, it's just automatically shit, right? But fucking Nintendo's out here like, hey, we're putting Super Mario Brothers hat in Animal Crossing. That's right. You can now put yourself in even greater debt to Tom Nook by walking your stupid ass all the way over to his shop and uh, buying a Super Luigi Brothers hat for 14 billion bells. And uh, and that's the new update. Please play that shit for another 40 hours because we have no other games to announce today. And everyone's like simply brilliant and they're like but wait there's more you know how we always do fire emblem and we always do smash brothers well we're putting uh, our 50th yeah in celebration of our 50th fire emblem character to come to smash we're releasing 50 new amiibo uh of of all the fire emblem characters and they're exclusive to toys r us fuck you and it's just like what, what the fuck i'm just i'm watching this thing i'm like ah this is why i haven't touched my fucking nintendo switch in a year this is why i don't play this thing that being said, I, I'm, I'm thinking this weekend I might cave and download 
that new Super Mario 3D World Bowser's Fury game because it, it does look pretty good. But but still, like that's a that's like a three hour little expansion pass to a re release of a of a Wii U game. This is not a new game, Nintendo. It's again, I've been. This is an Xbox podcast, if you can believe it or not. But I wanted to start today's rant as a heartbroken, just just butt hurt ex Nintendo lover. What the fuck are you doing, Nintendo? Now, I'm leaving out the biggest announcement here, which is that they did tease and announce Splatoon 3 coming out in 2022, which I'm very excited about. I, I like Splatoon. I actually like Splatoon a lot. I like both the first and the second game. Um, I know that's kind of seen as more one of those like Sonic the Hedgehog tier, like cringy 13-year-old sweaty Naruto kid kind of games, but I actually really enjoy Splatoon, and I'm looking forward to playing the next one. So that's a cool announcement, but again, it's like Nintendo. Splatoon is a relatively new, I think it's like their only relatively new IP they work with. And that's cool that they, they ever even made a new IP any time in the past 20 years. But it's like, what the fuck are you doing by putting out a third Splatoon in the time since we've, like, in all that time we haven't seen a new F-Zero, a new Metroid, a new anything. You just don't put out shit. You just ignore all your other characters. You're like, hey, here's Smash Brothers. Everyone's here, but only three of them get their own video games. It's like, what, what, what? Whatever. I just want to put that out there. Fuck you, Nintendo. Why don't you just appeal specifically to my nostalgia and uh, f- uh, Pokemon is lame. So that's what I want to start out this week with. A little rant about Nintendo, a former love of mine, someone who still hurts to think about. But with that said, guys, let's jump into our comments section. I, I steered you towards the comments and then steered you away. And now I'm steering you back to the comments because I like to think of Xbox on as a drunk driver. We are Simply never on track, and if we're lucky, we might even get home alive. So, our first comment this week... Oh, and remember, if you ever want to comment, go over to YouTube.com. Second Best Gaming is my channel. You'll find the Xbox On playlist there. You click on the latest episode, leave a comment, say something heinous and crazy like, Taco Bell is sodium-free, and then I'll read your your comment on the air, and then you'll get lots of likes and possibly become even more famous than uh, you already are. And then our first comment here comes from Mr. EA's King117, who says, speaking of... Speaking of Taco Bell, EA's King wants to start this week, and this is this is what he wants to start the week off with. I wanted to start off shitting about Nintendo, and EA's King wants to say, I've never eaten Taco Bell. Don't cancel me. So I'm not gonna make the again, I don't I don't have the authority to cancel people or to ban them or to do any of these things. That's all up to Sarugi. I'm putting canceling people and lumping that in the same uh, tier as as being able to ban someone, so we'll let we'll leave that up to Sarugi. If Sarugi would like to comment on this and, and, and weigh in in any way, uh, it's your decision whether or not we're going to cancel EA's EA, EA's King one one seven here for saying he's never eaten at Taco Bell. And to the audience at large, why why don't you guys weigh in on it? Vote, you know, leave a comment. Tell me, cancel or don't cancel. EA's King, hashtag cancel or hashtag hashtag spare. What are we going to do here, EA's King? Never eaten at a Taco Bell. Now, if I'm not mistaken, EA's King, you, you dwell in, in the Canadian region of the North American continent. Is, am I correct? Um, I believe you're from Canada, right? So you guys have Taco Bell up there, I'm pretty sure. You're not that fucking weird and foreign up there. You, I, and you probably put maple syrup on all your, all your tacos, but I assume you at least have Taco Bell, am I correct? So what's your excuse? And even if you didn't have Taco Bell in, in Canada, which, again, I'm pretty sure you do. In fact, I know you have Taco Bell in Canada. What would be your excuse? Like, what, you just can't make the drive to the U.S. simply for Taco Bell? Because that sounds like a pretty stupid excuse. So, 
Fix it. Make it happen. In fact, go back in time to when you were a child and then eat Taco Bell because it's ridiculous. I don't even know if your body would be able to handle the complex palate offered by the Taco Bell menu. I, your, your, your body might simply reject it. And that's not to the fault of the quality of the food that Taco Bell serves. That's because your body isn't worthy because you didn't train it properly from a young age. You need to develop your body for these kinds of things, okay? This is why they start feeding them young. This is why my mom took me to Taco Bell when I was young. She said, this boy is growing. Look at this. His bones are weak, but we'll fix that. We'll get him the Taco Bell kids menu. For some stupid reason, it comes with a really dumb toy. It comes with those little beans with the fucking little magnet thing inside of it. Why? Why? Who, who thinks that's a good idea for a toy? What the fuck is this? But that wasn't the point. The tacos were good, and they made me big and strong. And EA's king, I'm assuming you're weak. You've never had Taco Bell. That probably means you're fucking weak. All right, our next comment here comes from Mojo, first-time commenter, who says, First time commenting, love the podcast. The realness is refreshing in an already saturated podcast market. I currently know two friends and a cousin with detrimental Mountain Dew addictions. One's addicted to original Mountain Dew, one's into Voltage, and the other one's into Whiteout. Should I switch from my favorite Dr. Pepper? Who would win in a fight? Okay, well, speaking of starting them young so they can grow nice and strong, I mean, here we go. Here's a perfect example. You get you get four kids. One of them's on Dr. Pepper, one of them's on Original Mountain Dew, and one of them's on Voltage, and then the, the fourth one is on Whiteout. Okay, simple enough. You, you, we've already tiered it there. They're all pretty decently strength children. You know, you put these kids up against kids who are raised drinking water and milk, Fuck it, those kids don't stand a chance. The kid who just drank milk, he's going to get his fucking bones crushed. He's going to get smashed in the face because he, he doesn't stand a fucking chance against a kid who grew up on Mountain Dew Voltage. That shit's pure lightning. You punch a kid in the face, you, you, you find a kid who drank vitamin D, vi vitamin milk or whatever his whole goddamn life, and then you sock that kid in the, in the face with your fist knowing that you were raised on Mountain Dew Voltage. What do you think is going to fucking happen? Static shock right there. You're going to blow that kid's brain in. He's going he's gonna to electrocute. You're going to fucking shock that kid. They're going to make a Marvel supervillain out of you for doing that because that's the kind of thing you'll get out of drinking Mountain Dew Voltage. So if we're simply tiering them, we know Whiteout's at the top because Whiteout is just a god-tier drink. So the kid who's going to win the fight is Whiteout because what's he going to do? Uh, he's going to fucking avalanche. He's going to white out the whole group. He's going to avalanche and just snow's going to crush everyone. And that's kind of an untimely joke because a lot of the country right now is currently uh, fucked because of snowstorms. But that's besides the point. Whiteout's going to win. Voltage is going to be second because it's got the fucking thunderbolts and the Zeus shit. So you got you got that power. So you're a Marvel supervillain, as we've said before. Now, the original do, I think that's a, that's pretty much like your Titan in Destiny. It's like your it's like your warrior class in an RPG. It is your all-around perfect fighter. You know, the guy who's like addicted to Mountain Dew, like classic Mountain Dew. That's your guy. He's not he's not the best, but he's like all around pretty good. He's a great fighter. He's a great defender. Uh, he he's he can learn skills like like masonry and magic or whatever the fuck it is these RPG guys do. He can learn it all. He's a jack of all trades, but he's a master of none because he's a he's a classic Dew guy. So he can do it all but he's not going to be a specialist by any stretch of the imagination. Now, your Dr. Pepper guy, and don't get me wrong, Dr. Pepper's a, f a fine drink. It's a great drink, in fact. If you go to a restaurant, and it's a first date, and I'm with you, we're on this first date for some reason, and you order a Dr. Pepper, there's going to be a second date. That's how good Dr. Pepper is. But is it Mountain Dew good? Hell no. So the Dr. Pepper guy, chances are he might get a good f fist in there. You know, he might he might get a good punch or two. He might kill. He, he'll he'll definitely knock out the guy drinking water or milk. But the guy drinking Mountain Dew, eh, 
Dr. Pepper, more like, Doctor, uh, I knocked this guy's fucking lights out because he drinks not Mountain Dew. So that's, I think, how that would go down in a fight. Thank you, Mojo, for commenting in. Wonderful question. I appreciate you listening to the podcast, and I appreciate your kind words. Our next comment here is Mr. EA's King, who thinks he deserves some redemption after that Taco Bell stunt he pulled, who says, Why play games in a car when you can play in your house, and it's already forbidden to text or call while driving, so playing Xbox is a big no. Don't attack me. All right, EA's King here is referring to my comments last week. I was talking about Teslas. I was talking about how the new Tesla interiors have a really powerful in uh, in car display that has like super like high end PC gaming specs that can play games like Witcher Three and even nicer games. Uh, and I was talking about how Microsoft should try to put an Xbox cloud streaming app in Tesla cars. That would be a huge get for them because having Xbox in your Tesla sounds like a really natural evolution if they're going to try to put X Cloud everywhere. And I think it'd be really really awesome and a huge win for gaming in cars, which is you know something we're starting to see emerge now. EA's King, allow me to elaborate. I'm not talking about putting Xbox cloud streaming in every car. I'm not talking about walking into a Ford Edge and be like, here I am driving my gas-powered car down the highway like a fucking moron, and I'm playing uh, Mass Effect 2 via backwards compatibility, not the re-release, because I prefer the bad graphics. And here I am, just 75 on the highway, and I'm playing Mass Effect 2. I'm finding out what's happening here. I'm, I'm Professor Shepard, or whatever the character's name is. And that's not what I was calling for. Again, I'm, we're talking strictly about Teslas. We're talking about electric cars. Electric cars have to charge. So if you're on a road trip, and you got to stop at a supercharger station, you got to charge your car, you park at the charge station, you plug your car up, and you sit there for like 30 minutes to an hour charging your car. Okay, so you're not driving. You're not driving, EA's King. In this scenario, you are sitting there in your car trying to kill an hour of time while your car charges. So you whip out your Xbox gamepad that you keep in your center console, and you, pl- and you pull up your Xbox app on your car, and you play Xbox for an hour while stationary, parked with your car charging, while you wait to get back on your way. That's what I'm talking about. Although, alternatively, because the way Tesla is doing gaming in their cars, the other alternative solution would be you could have, like, the passenger or the backseat passengers uh, playing Xbox while the driver drives. So, in none of these scenarios am I talking about the driver playing Xbox while he drives the car. Of course, I'm not promoting that. That's a horrible idea. But, in all fairness, Tesla's ultimate plan, their ultimate goal, since they're what they're really working towards here is fully autonomous self-driving vehicles you know they're the the end goal is that humans won't have to drive or monitor the driving situation of their car at all so that you will be able to play xbox or video games while you are in the car even if you're in the driver's seat because you won't be driving the car will be but we're years and years away from that so that's not really what i'm talking about i'm just talking about playing the goddamn Xbox app, getting some Forza Horizon 4 in there while you're charging your car. God damn it, it's so hard, so hard to explain. But thank you for listening. My brother comes in and says, I wonder if ZeniMax being put in a different category, referring back to the story last week when they were talking about the name Vault, which they might brand ZeniMax under. I wonder if being put under a different category like Vault kills the rumors of a different studio making the next Fallout game. I say this because it sounds like they really want to impress us on the idea that ZeniMax really is its own beast and Microsoft just basically bought permanent Game Pass rights. Thoughts? Well, we know Phil Spencer said, well, first of all, we don't know. We don't know shit because all this stuff is still up in the air and nothing's really inked just quite yet. So with nothing being really truly official, we don't know. But we can recall that Phil Spencer said, essentially, they just want to let ZeniMax continue to operate on its own as it was. So the thing is, you know, Bethesda 
Bethesda Studios and Bethesda Softworks or whatever and Machine Games and, and Tango Gameworks and all these studios need an umbrella to go under over. But ZeniMax doesn't really make sense because ZeniMax, ZeniMax is like a parent company and you don't really need a parent company for all these brands and all these teams when you have Microsoft as the parent brand. So it, it renders ZeniMax kind of useless to be like, okay, so we have all these different studios and the parent company is ZeniMax that houses all those studios. And then the parent company of that parent company is Microsoft or is Xbox. And then the parent company of that parent company is Microsoft. It's like, that it just sounds like one too many middlemen. So I think the idea here is that by rebranding it, something like Vault what you do is you give it a, a, like a name, a vague name to kind of categorize this group of developers, this this team or or this this series of in-house teams at Microsoft, but you don't you don't put an official an official like um banner over it. So I guess what I mean is like Zenimax is an actual like parent company that like actually publishes and oversees and maintains the portfolio of all these studios. It's like an actual it's like an actual overseer parent company brand here, right? Vault is less of that and it's more of just a name. So it's like saying Vault is just referring to a group of developers, but the parent company would be Xbox. So I think the idea here is how can we delete the redundancy of having ZeniMax and Xbox when we could just, you know, how, how about we delete that redundancy by folding it all under Xbox, but still mentally and verbally differentiating that group of developers by referring to that that umbrella as vault. So it's more of like a like a mental differentiation so that, you know, for for press and for and for the market and, uh, you know, players and stuff, we can understand that like oh well tango and machine games and those guys um those are part of like the vault brand that's like the old zenimax guys that's like the old the old bethesda people so like that's that's kind of like off in its own corner it's kind of like pixar right it's like pixar isn't owned by a parent company called like uh fucking future movies plus steve jobs incorporated holdings association and then that's owned by disney it's like no it's kind of redundant it's like pixar you know and that's not really a good example because Pixar isn't an umbrella which has many, many studios underneath it. But it is like, you know, there's Pixar and then they work on different movies, but they want to differentiate it from Disney. They didn't just buy Pixar and then take all those, all those, you know, all that talent at Pixar and be like, now you guys just make Disney movies. They're like, no, no, we want to keep the brand separated. So Vault is more of just a brand to keep everything kind of compartmentalized where they want it but not have an actual full-fledged parent company whose job is to oversee it, if that makes sense. That's my two cents on it, but again, we don't know anything, and I sure as hell, as as you just heard me fumbling through my words, clearly don't know shit about how business works, so it's hard for me to really gauge what they mean by that, but if I had to guess with my limited knowledge in, in, in on the situation and both in general, um, I, I would guess Vault is just kind of like a like a term more than like an actual organization or, or, or umbrella group, if, if that makes sense. Anyway, let's get back to easier things so that my tiny brain can uh, formulate sentences. Arctic Chief says, I enjoy listening to you because you're probably the most real. You talk about what you enjoy outside of gaming, most of which I can relate to personally. The Disney and most of the fast food stuff. I've tuned into a different I've I've tuned into a few different podcasts before yours, but never made it through the entire episode. They stick too much to a script, it seems like, to where yours, as others have said, has 
well enough structure to be able to cover different topics and not become lost. That's why I come back every Thursday to your show. Also, the game night comment a couple weeks ago seems to have gained some traction. Your mom and brother are also on board as well. Well, thank you, Arctic Chief. I actually really appreciate this comment. You know, when people write in comments like this, uh, I have a hard time reading them because it's like, I, this isn't really adding any value or thought out there. I, I don't feel like anyone's listening to this show right now. Like, wow, thanks, Arctic Chief. Now I understand um, the, the, what Bungie has planned to do with uh, Destiny now that Tencent has an, invested in their company. Thanks. Now I have a fuller understanding of this industry I love. It's like no one no one gets anything like that out of these kinds of comments. It just sounds more like me patting myself on the back like, oh, look, someone said something nice. I should read that so everyone knows how awesome I am. So I don't mean that when I read these kinds of comments, but I got to read them because I really, really do appreciate them. And they really do mean a lot to me because, you know, that's that's the hardest part for me in making this show is that I don't know really if I'm ever balancing things properly. I don't know if like the structure and the coherency is there for me as the person making the show, but that doesn't necessarily translate to the audience. And I don't know if it translates well or if it's if it's, you know, if it's easy to grasp for other people, if they feel like there's coherency and structure, especially, you know, or mostly for those who've listened before, I assume it's, if you just jump in your first time and it's episode like 98 or something, you're just like, what the fuck is this fucking Martha Stewart uh, fan podcast all about? And then they click off. But, you know, for people who have listened in the past, I want to make sure there is a sense of coherency while also not so much rigidness and scriptedness, as, as you might say here, that it feels like, you know, the show has no life or personality to it. It's just kind of like a, uh, a news show about Xbox for the sake of having another news show about Xbox. So I really do appreciate that. That is pretty much the kindest compliment you could give to me is, is to tell me that my show has personality and identity and, and it isn't just another clone podcast. So I guess what you're saying is I'm pretty goddamn great. So thank you. Ego inflated by 14%. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Miggy comes in here and says long comment alert. So I caved in and bought black ops cold war. It's on sale. I bought the last-gen version to save money. Unfortunately, it was crashing my Xbox in ways that have never happened before. After doing research, it seemed that the last-generation version of the game will do that on Series X consoles, and I would need to get the current-generation version to play it properly. After spending all day downloading the current-gen version, even though I didn't buy it, I loaded it and it worked. I deleted the last-gen version, it stopped working. Then found out that I had to have at least the content packs downloaded, for last gen. Then the current gen version would work again. Long day wasted, but at least I don't have to make a return. I'm enjoying the campaign already. Okay, all right, Mr. Miggy, this is this comment is hurting my brain because so I got Cold War the day it came out. I downloaded the next gen version. It was like my launch game basically for my Series X. So I downloaded the Xbox Series X version of the game, and like others, I've experienced issues with the game where it will just like randomly crash here and there, or just have like a weird lag or something like that. I don't think I have as bad of problems with the game as most people seem to have. Like, so like like the YouTuber Actman, I, I watch him a lot. He was like ripping on the game because he he was claiming to have like some really serious issues and bugs with the game on his Series X that I just simply was not experiencing. I beat the entire campaign without any issues. Mostly when I play zombies, it's fine. My biggest issue is like, like maybe like two times a week, I'll have like a multiplayer match where it just crashes and the whole game crashes and it goes back to the dashboard on the console. Um, but for the most part, I've, I've been pretty lucky to not have severe performance issues. So it confuses me to all hell when I see this. Like, I don't believe it's a conspiracy because you are one of many people to have had severe issues with the game. So I believe it's happening and I've had some issues with the game enough to know that there's clearly something to that. So I just, 
what I don't get here is I have a Series X. I have the next gen version of the game on my Series X. What the fuck am I missing here? Like, I don't. You had to go back and download the Xbox One and the Series X version at the same fucking time in order for the game to run properly. Like, who at Activision is just like, oh, guys, congratulations on Black Ops Cold War officially being like three or four months old now. Let's let's just continue to not fix this glaring mistake that's causing some users to have to download the game uh, twice, basically, in order for the game not to be a total piece of shit. So it's hard for me to, like, speak to this because I put so much time into Cold War already but I just haven't experienced this level of, like, stupidity with it. So the fact that, like, you had to spend an entire day of your life just basically downloading and deleting various forms of this game, I, I don't know, it's just absolutely mind-boggling. So, first of all, props to you for having the patience to go through with all this. I feel like most people would just delete it and be like, fuck it, I don't even care about my money, just get this game away from me. So props to you for having the patience to actually see this through the end and figure it out. And also, props to the fucking idiot, not you, the, the whoever it is you, you got from the internet, who had to, like, go through the the science to figure out that you need two versions of the game installed on your series X in order to get this game to actually fucking function. So that's, that's just laughable. But that being said, I am glad to see that you're enjoying the game. I'm glad that you're enjoying the campaign. I think the campaign on this game is fucking awesome. I gotta be honest. I think from a, from a story perspective, it's the coolest black ops game since black ops one slash two, probably cooler than black ops two, but not as cool as black ops one. It's just pretty badass. And those last few missions have, a really, really awesome twist to it, and that, like, especially that Vietnam level towards the end. I won't spoil it for anyone, but that level is just fucking memorable as all the hell. That is, like, top five most memorable moments in a Call of Duty campaign, period, and, you know, considering that Call of Duty has, like, a billion entries in the franchise, I think that's pretty high praise, so. Next up, OG Man says, Jesse, you mentioned about podcasts being good when they have structure. They eat... Then even mentioned a few other podcasts by name. Just curious, what are some of the video game podcasts that you listen to to draw inspiration from? Personally, my top shows of my top shows are yours, of course, Podcast Unlocked, Game Scoop, and Nintendo Voice Chat. And for those who are unfamiliar, that's the comments over. For those who are unfamiliar, though, Podcast Unlocked is IGN's Xbox podcast. Game Scoop is IGN's general video game talk, like news podcast, and Nintendo Voice Chat is IGN's Nintendo podcast. So. I know that because I used to listen to all three of those podcasts like avidly. So yeah, I mean, thank you for your, first of all for your comment and your kind words. Um, this is I, I like this one a lot because I, I love podcasts. Like I, I used to be a big music person, but now like ninety nine percent of what I listen to is just podcasts. So I love to talk about podcasts. It's one of my they're that's why I do a podcast is because I just enjoy them so much. I thought maybe I should toss my hat into the ring, as they say. So. As far as video game podcasts go, I guess get ready for a classic Xbox on a tangent here. But yeah, my my pod my gaming podcast taste it's been all over the place over the years. So really, video game podcasts are the thing that got me into podcasts to begin with. It was actually at the very beginning of the Wii U in like twenty late twenty twelve early twenty thirteen. I was just super into the Wii U, but obviously no one else in the world was. The console was selling like shit, and so for me as like a like about to about to graduate high school student who bought a Wii U and felt very lonely because who the fuck was 17 years old and was like, ah, let me go spend $300 on a Wii U instead of going to a fucking high school party and, and meeting a girl. Um, I, I was just sitting there, you know, in the back of class, like, oh man, I'm going to press pause on this awesome, on this awesome Taking Back Sunday song so I can focus on the Nintendo Wii U, my favorite video game console of all time. And 
I was like, how how can I enjoy the conversation of this console, considering the fact that no one fucking likes it, no one cares about it, no one's buying it. There's just there's no community around it. So I just had this weird like brain fart moment. I was sitting there on my iPhone, and you know this is back when the the podcast app is like pre-installed in iOS, and you can't delete it even if there's a fucking gun to your head. It's like fuck you, the podcast app is there to stay. So I'm like, you know what? Let's see what this podcast is. I don't even know. Is this like YouTube without the picture? So I click on the podcast app, and I'm just like. Nintendo search bar enter and Nintendo voice chat was actually the first thing like I found I was like oh IGN I read them religiously I read this website literally every day I've read pretty I, until pretty recently IGN was a website I was like on all day every day from like fifth grade until like two years ago so I, I used to read IGN quite a bit so I was like oh IGN I love those guys why don't I listen to their podcast here about Nintendo and instantly I fell in love with Nintendo voice chat. Now, back in those days, the host lineup, and maybe only a few of you will know this, who these people are, but the host lineup was like, you had Jose Otero, who was the the, the host of the show, and I fucking love Jose. I, I miss him so much. I was actually just talking with a friend about how much I missed when Jose was the host of of Nintendo voice chat. You had Per Schneider and, and uh, Brian Altano and all those guys, and I, and I really, really fell in love with that not just, you know, the fact that I was like, oh my god, here's a place where people are talking about, like, the latest and greatest about Nintendo. It's not just, like, N64 was cool. I liked Ocarina of Time. It's, like, actually people who give a shit about Nintendo outside, like, one nostalgic fucking video game and wanted to talk about something. So, like, I was immediately hooked. I was like, ah, I found my best friends. I don't need real friends anymore. I can just listen to a podcast, and now I have a community I belong to. And I would just listen to Nintendo Voice Chat religiously. I'd go back into the catalog and listen to old episodes. I'd just live for the newest episode. It was amazing. I was like, ah, yes, please talk about Wii Fit Plus for the Nintendo Wii U. I'm gonna go buy a fucking fitness pedometer and clip it to my belt because I don't want to have sex with a woman. I actually want to play Nintendo Wii. And so it was... that. I'm, I'm pretty nostalgic for, like, the early era of when I first discovered gaming podcasts because I just really loved like discovering what podcasts were all about and, and falling in love with Nintendo voice chat. That's a very important podcast for me, especially considering that was like the beginning of the end for my Nintendo days. Once, once you get to like the end of the Wii U, that's really where like I started going from like hardcore Nintendo fan. I'm holding on to this with all I've got to like, fuck you, Nintendo. I'm giving up on you. So like Nintendo voice chat is definitely the first. Then I started listening to podcasts unlocked because I'm like, well, I also love Xbox. So fuck it. If they have a really cool Nintendo show, I bet their Xbox show is also really cool. So I started listening to podcasts unlocked and especially around the time the Xbox one was coming out. That's when that was like really interesting to me as well. Same thing. I fell in love with that show immediately. I, 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 I'm still to this day, a huge fan of Ryan McCaffrey. I, I really respect the hell out of that guy. I think He's a probably the best representation of like just a clean all around decent human being in the Xbox game community. He's not he doesn't engage in console war bullshit. He's uh, I think a fair and honest guy. He's just genuinely a likable person. I like there's really nothing bad you can say about Ryan McCaffrey. But yeah, same thing. I loved that show immediately. Listened to it like crazy. But the thing that was different about Podcast Unlocked is it's like I, I thought that show was phenomenal. It used to have so much care and effort put into it and so much structure. But I feel like over the years, and this is true of all of IGN's podcasts, but over the years, that one in particular, it's just it just felt like more and more it got like the butt end of the of the stick there, where it was just like, ah, oh, yeah, you got it. You only got like forty minutes to record, so the episodes started getting crunched and segments started getting cut, and the podcasts hosts started rotating a lot and I was like oh, I miss the old hosts so I don't like these new hosts I feel like the the, the chemistry is constantly being thrown off every week and like the segments are being crunched down and just it felt like that show just started getting like budget cut if you will <laughs> which is just funny because obviously it's the free podcast IGN does 
Yeah, it's something about it. It's like over time, these podcasts just with IGN in particular just started like just degrading quality. And and I guess I'm getting ahead of myself because I just started listening to like everything IGN put out for a podcast. So I started listening to Game Scoop and I I fell in love with Game Scoop. I think Damon Hatfield's an awesome host. I love his show. Um, And then I started listening to Podcast Beyond, which was which is their PlayStation podcast. That's the one I listened to last because I'm like, "Ah, I have a PS3. I don't really play my PlayStation a whole lot. So that's really the one I'm not interested in but when I finally decided you know after months of listening to Xbox and Nintendo podcasts I was like ah fuck it let's give the PlayStation podcast a try because IGN puts out some great stuff and immediately I fell head over heels like in love with podcast beyond because this was back in the day I I feel so bad talking about this because this is so far removed from what this show is about but anyway Back in those days, you had Greg Miller and Colin Moriarty hosting Podcast Beyond, and that show, like, I I swear to God, to this day, like, old school Podcast Beyond was, like, fucking Oscar nominee quality podcasting. Like, that was, that was the most exciting part of my week, like, and I don't even care how pathetic that sounds, like, more so than, like, going out to an awesome dinner with friends or, like, hitting the weekend so you don't have to go to school anymore or just, like, I I, I tripped and fell on the ground and and sued uh, Walmart for not putting up a wet floor sign and that got $2 billion. It's like, fuck it. None of that stuff was as exciting or fun to look forward to each and every week as a new episode of Podcast Beyond because, dude, fucking Colin Moriarty and Greg Miller, when you put those guys together in a podcast room, it was pure magic. And so just immediately, like from that point on, I was just completely entranced by these guys. But then after a couple of years, Colin and Greg left IGN and then immediately just started feeling like IGN just started getting new staff left and right. And I feel like the quality of their podcast started dipping. They put less emphasis on giving them the time to really like flesh out all the segments and everything. I started kind of resenting a lot of the newer IGN staff because over the years, I mean, maybe I'm just like kind of an old curmudgeon who likes like the IGN I grew up with and the people that used to work there that are no longer there. But it felt like back in the day that like the IGN people who worked there were like really individual and had a lot of like original thought and personality. But nowadays it just seems like you go to IGN, it's like just a bunch of no name fucking internet media people who are just like have absolutely nothing to say. Like, like I, I was watching an IGN live stream like sometime last summer for some kind of gaming event, some kind of like summer of awards E3 type bullshit thing. And I was I was watching the stream and I was watching like the IGN commentary and it was like all these kids I've never seen before because they're all relatively new to IGN. And I'm just listening to like their commentary. I'm like, dude, I know nothing about video games and I host a fucking podcast about Xbox in my underwear from Orlando, Florida. Like no one knows who I am and gives a shit about my existence. And I put out better commentary than half these fucking guys. Like, they just say nothing. They just, like, regurgitate press releases and say, like, popular things. Like, oh, yeah, uh, Nintendo is planning on putting out another Zelda. Uh, Breath of the Wild's a really good game. Am I right, guys? Ha, ha, ha. Oh, on PlayStation Front, um, I think they're making a Last of Us Part 2. Well, that's really great because Last of Us Part 1 was a Game of the Year contender for me. A real a real banger of a game. That's why I always say. Uh, on the Xbox Front, um, uh, Master Chief is kind of stupid now, um, but I guess uh, Forza's a really pretty looking game, huh? Uh, well, Phil Spencer's a, a well-liked guy, but um, PlayStation 4 is awesome, and, uh, uh, and then you just start, like, sweating, and, like, you just start seeing, like, fucking Mountain Dew beating out of their pores, but not really because they're not cool enough to drink Mountain Dew. And I, I, all joking aside, it's just, like, something happened there. I feel like IGN's greatly just waned in, in quality on their podcasts. I don't even know why I'm telling you this, but that, that that's just a big turning point for me. So I, I, I followed through with Colin and Greg forever, and I just, anytime, you know, they left IGN and went on to do Kind of Funny, and I followed them there, and then Colin and Greg, unfortunately, had a falling out, and now... I follow Colin Moriarty religiously. He still does 
podcasting on his own company now, and he has a PlayStation podcast called Sacred Symbols he does with Chris Raygun, who's a, a famous YouTuber, and they just put out an, a fucking amazing show, and that's kind of my thing is I've always followed Colin, literally anything he does. He's just such a, I think he's the most interesting and well articulated and, and just the most, his, his thoughts are just the most original and intriguing of anyone in, in games media or the games industry. So I've always followed Colin Moriarty very closely because I just, I admire the fucking hell out of that guy. I think he's just really, really awesome. But as far as, you know, over the years, I guess, as far as games podcasts go, it's like really, that's all I listen to is, if it's a video game related podcast, it's whatever the fuck Colin Moriarty is doing it, whether it's PlayStation or just anything about video games or just pretty much whatever he's doing. And he, he doesn't cover a lot Nintendo and Xbox because he pretty much exclusively plays PlayStation. So I kind of find that funny is like my, my favorite gaming podcast is about the platform I almost never play, but I, but yeah, I mean, I just, I, I enjoy his personality and his format and his show so much. And that's kind of why I do Xbox the, on the way I do it is because it's like, I barely give a shit about PlayStation. It's like it's like the last thing I care about in this industry I love. So the fact that my favorite gaming podcast of all time is about a platform I don't even give a shit about that much uh, tells you that what really matters is the host and the quality of the show and the personality and the likability of all that and whether or not, you know, that kind of host melds with you, you know, whether the personality is something that you're into and you're like, Hey, I'm here for this. I find this fun. I find this entertaining and just like something I can be a part of. So that's what I try to embed with Xbox on is more than Xbox, more than whatever is in the news. It should be about connecting with the the host and the audience is having commonality, liking things together, having laughs and, and having it feel more like a hangout with friends and less like a, and other news today, Microsoft announced that they made a lot of money while everyone else is very poor. It's like, that's not really a fun podcast. So like a fun podcast is like, Hey, we all love Xbox and we'll talk about it, but also uh, Mountain Dew is awesome. And I drink it a lot and I'm probably going to die of diabetes. So like, I, I just think like that's more interesting. So that's really where a lot of the inspiration comes from for me is is following IGN podcasts of yesterday and also Colin Moriarty and people like him and just kind of seeing how how the fun of the show hasn't always been the topic while the topic is like somehow central it's it's also the least important thing and I don't know, trying to inherit that and and have that live on in this show I think has been really important but I also just try to make this show as original as possible like I pr- I promise you the intention of the show was never supposed to be uh, an hour of podcast uh, of comments and, and shooting shit and then we get into the news the, the, the intention was to be a news podcast with some humor and personality but you know like w- once the show started becoming like I keep talking about Taco Bell and they keep listening it just got to a point where I was like you know what don't try to force the show to be something it's not like if this is what people are into and you're having fun making it like let this be Xbox on like who gives a shit if if it's gonna be a smaller, more niche podcast because a lot of people are like, Hey, I don't, I don't want an hour of McDonald's value menu talk before I click onto Xbox news. Like I want Xbox news. It's like if, if I had to sacrifice the potential for the show to grow as a result of, you know, making it a little more of a, a niche thing, I think so be it because I have a lot of fun making this show. And it seems like unless you guys are all liars, a lot of you enjoy listening to what the show is. So I'm going to continue to do this. And I think, you know, I, I owe it a lot to some of those podcasts for kind of 
turning me on to that stuff is, is about making these podcasts more of places of community and fun personalities and people you would, you know, people you would be friends with people you would hang out with in real life if you could, you know, and I think that's the most important part of any podcast more so than the topic at hand, but you still do need that structure to have that familiarity to make it something that's likable. You know, it's, it's one thing if we're just here like, Hey guys, what do you want to talk about today? Oh, I didn't prepare anything, but here we are. Ooh, Taco Bell's yummy, right? Like you got to have some structure. You gotta be like, okay, here's what you know you're going to get from this show every week. It's a, it's a nice, it's, it's like a comforting thing. It's like, just like you're confident tomorrow, the sun's going to rise. You should be confident that Xbox on is going to hit your podcast stream. You know, I'm going to goof off about podcast uh, about comments. You know, we're going to talk about news, but also it's going to be its own thing. And I, I think striking that balance and having that is super critical. But I mean, with that said, I don't, nowadays I don't really listen to anything else in the world of video game podcasts. I, I intentionally don't listen to like any Xbox podcast because I don't want the opinions of others and other people's takes on what's happening in the world to really influence my opinions on the company because I don't want you to ever listen to Xbox on and be like, wow, Jesse is uh Jesse's just saying what everyone else says. Like I, I would rather you click on Xbox on and be like, Jesse, that's a really fucking bad take on that story. I'd rather you say that than be like, oh, wow, that's a decent take. Too bad. I heard like seven other YouTubers and three podcast hosts say the same exact shit like two hours ago when that news broke. It's like, you're just, you're just saying the same shit. Like I'd rather have bad takes than samey takes. So I try to avoid other Xbox in particular podcasts because I don't want that influence. I just want to kind of let this show be its own thing and, and have its own run. Um, but with that said, I mean, mostly these days I, I try not to listen to video game podcasts outside of whatever Colin's doing. I mostly listen to like podcasts about about electric cars i listen to podcasts about theme parks and disney one, one of my good friends hunter who supports the show has a handful of of podcasts he does um but one of them that i recommend is called grim grim grinning hosts it's a like a theme park topic podcast that i enjoy listening to each and every week um i listen to some podcasts from time to time on and off about paintball but yeah i'd say the podcast i listen to like habitually like religiously would be like Colin Moriarty's PlayStation podcast, Sacred Symbols, um, the Windows Central podcast, which is not really about Xbox. It's really about like Surface and Windows and, and like Microsoft, the actual company. I listen to Ryan McCaffrey's Ride the Lightning Tesla podcast. I listen to like Disney Dish podcast, uh, which is a Disney News podcast. So and there's a bunch of other shows I tune into here and there. But like those are the shows where it's like every week that shit hits my feed. I click immediately. I got to listen to it. So a little bit of everything, just the kinds of things I like, you know, electric cars, fast food, pod, uh, video games, uh, paintball, Disney parks, all, all that shit. So told you we're going to get on a little tangent. You asked me a good question. You asked me a question I like. What do you what do you what do you want from me, OG man? All right, now that everyone's clicked off because they're like, who the fuck is a Jose Otero? Let's jump into Dead Captain James' comment as we kind of wrap up the comment section this week, who says, damn it, it's been two weeks in a row that I've, that I've commented in my brain but forgot to type it into YouTube. Oh, well, the only game I've played the past two weeks is Fantasy Star Online 2. It's been a nice change of pace, and Pepsi is the worst soda. Sorry, Jesse. So, Dead Captain James, now that you're officially dead to me, I, I must say, that's awesome that you've been enjoying Fantasy Star Online 2 because I feel like no one talks about that game, but it's a, it's a really cool like Western console exclusive that Xbox has. And I enjoyed the hell out of it as well. So I'm glad you're enjoying it too. That's, that's one of those games I always like wish I had more time to invest in because I'd really love for that to be a regular game in my rotation. But it's like, I just, 
I don't have the time to dedicate to it. I, I wish I could, you know, like maybe if like destiny or halo wasn't a thing I could find time for it. But like, I, I think fantasy star online two is a really good game. And I hope more Xbox gamers decide to give it a try, even though it is a rather like unconventional kind of weeby ass game that you wouldn't normally see on Xbox. I, I think it's a great game. Now, Joe Murphy says, so I need to vent somewhere. I was told that Del Taco is just like Taco Bell. No, it's not. Have you ever heard slash or eaten Del Taco before? So do you ever do... Okay, then you ask another... You ask a couple questions here. You say, also, do you ever do Easter eggs in games? I saw somewhere online about a 50 Easter eggs in video games. I love that. I love the show. I like hearing all the topics on your show. Keep it up. Well, thank you, Joe, for writing in. So let's let's break these down real quick. We'll go, we'll go through this fast. Yes, I know what Del Taco is, and, I, and I've been to Del Taco many times. We had many of them pop up all around Atlanta around the latter years that I lived there. So I've had Del Taco quite a bit back home. Um, we have like one and only one Del Taco in all of Orlando, Florida. It's kind of over like closer to where like Universal Studios is, which is like conveniently 35 minutes from where I live, plus really awful Florida people traffic. So I never want to go over there because Florida people drive like their objective is to fucking stop at every green light. So I just don't even bother making my way out there, especially when I live four minutes away from a Taco Bell, but I, I actually like Del Taco just fine. Um, I, when I first discovered it, like in high school, I thought it was the shit. I, I was like, oh man, do I like this more than Taco Bell? And that was just, you know, the ecstasy talking or something because, you know, Taco Bell was a long love of mine and Del Taco was new. I was going through a honeymoon phase. You know, if I could go back and take back the things I had said at the time about Del Taco, of course I would. Um, but that being said, you know, now that I've grown into it and I'm very familiar with both brands, Del Taco is, in my opinion, significantly worse than Taco Bell. But that doesn't mean it's bad, and that doesn't mean there's not time and place for it. I, I enjoy Del Taco. They are both similar in that they're like Tex-Mex fast food American taco chain restaurants that both started in California. Um, but they're different in that Taco Bell is like Taco Bell's more Taco Bell is to Tex-Mex what McDonald's is to like burgers and fries, where it's like you go to Taco Bell, eat a fucking Doritos Locos Tacos, and tell me it's good, tell me it's bad. I don't care. But one thing you can't say about Taco Bell is that there's anything in the world that tastes like Taco Bell. Taco Bell tastes specifically like Taco Bell, just like McDonald's tastes like McDonald's, and nothing else comes close. It is very authentically what it is. It's so unique and so of its own. Whereas Del Taco is, you know, it tastes like fast food burritos and tacos and cheeseburgers because they have cheeseburgers on their menu. And that's fine. That's good. But it doesn't taste authentically like Del Taco. I feel like you could go to any like fast food place that has a burrito and you could be like, oh, that's a Del Taco burrito or, oh, that's a this other place burrito. And I'd be like, oh, I can't really tell the difference. It's just fast food Tex-Mex to me. And so Del Taco's good. In fact, they have these fried caramel cheesecake bites, which are fucking amazing. But for the most part, I feel like it's kind of like fast food Tex-Mex. It's like, oh, it's 2 a.m. and you want a cheeseburger and a burrito from the same goddamn drive-thru. Okay, Del Taco's pretty good. But Taco Bell is, you know, it's it's the OG. It's original. It's like you go to Taco Bell, you're not going because you want a taco. You're going because you want a Crunchwrap Supreme. You're not going because you want a burrito. You're going because you want a fucking quesarito. Because you know Taco Bell just don't have some shit. It's got the shit. So, yes, Taco Bell's much better than Del Taco. But they're both good. And I've had, I've had t- Del Taco. I wouldn't say they're, like, comparable in the sense of, like, oh, they're just the same thing. It's like, no, that's like saying... 
McDonald's and fucking Five Guys is the same thing. It's like, yeah, it's the same thing if you have a tiny brain and you just think cheeseburger equals one thing. But they're totally different things if you're nuanced and you're a person of great culture and you understand that they're not the same because flavor flavor profiles can be different despite the food item being a, of a similar background. So I, I don't appreciate that. I, what I call it is food racism. It's basically food racism. It's like, oh, all, all taco places look the same to you. It's like, what the fuck are you saying? You tell me you go to any taco place, it's the same thing? No, man. Just because it's a tortilla with fucking meat and beans and rice and cheese or whatever the fuck it is you put on there doesn't mean it's all the same. Flavors can be different. Things can be seasoned and prepared differently. Don't you don't you tell me it's the same. Anyway, interesting question here about Easter eggs in video games. Do I do Easter eggs in video games? It, it, here's my thing is like, if I'm playing a game, 99, 99.999% of games I play, I just want to play through the story enjoy the main line and be done with the game. I don't care about Easter eggs or side content or collect it all. Like I'm not a Ubisoft fill in the map, hundred percent guy, unless it's like a rare game where I'm like, I love this game. This game is special. I need to do 100% of what this game has to offer. And that's really rare that I find a game like that. So like, I'm going to play far cry six when it comes out this year and I'm going to play the main quest. I might do some side content stuff, maybe, if, if it's one of the better Far Cry games. And then I'll be done with the game, and I won't feel guilty or ever feel a need to go back and figure out all the secrets and the Easter eggs and complete the map 100%. But, you know, on the on the flip side, like, I'm really digging the hell out of Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War for some weird reason. And so, like, I've been really focusing on, like, trying to unlock, like, gold skins on my guns and trying to do all the zombie Easter eggs because I'm really enjoying that game and I want to see every corner of what it has to offer because I just think it's that fun. It's resonating with me that much. So my thing with Easter eggs or secrets or collecting everything in a game is if it's like the one in a million game that that appears every so often where it's like, I love this game to death and back. Yeah, I'll try to do everything and see it all and do the Easter eggs and whatnot. But if it's a but if it's like a game where it's like, oh, this is a good game or it's just another one of these or I'm just enjoying this for the weekend. No, I'm not going to go above and beyond. I'm not a fucking nerd, which would be seen as seen by my by my ability to to give up on trophy hunting on every game. I like I feel like if I were going to be super nerdy about these kinds of things, my thing would be trophy hunting or achievement hunting rather. And this is not PlayStation. Uh, I would I would try to be the guy to 100 percent every achievement list on my console, but I don't do that because I want to go to bed at night. Sorry, guys, I thought we were at the tail end of the comments. We got a couple more, but they're pretty much all fast ones from here. Um, with the exception of this one right here, which is from Sweaty Bandito, who says, So glad to see Ubisoft focusing on AA games again. I'm sick of Avengers of the Avengers effect, which is an ensemble slash cinematic universe film that takes in a billion dollars and then spawns a wave of imitations, imitations, countless flops, confusion about said flops until some fresh idea makes another billion and rinse repeat. Gone are the days of making a bunch of modestly budgeted films uh, that do mostly well. Now we get studio th- studios throwing 200 million at four or five blockbusters and hoping one sticks. Just give me a solid 10-hour game, and I'm happy. Hopefully, Game Pass will help encourage uh, risk and variety in gaming. By the way, you should eat Francesina. Cena? Holy shit, what, what is happening? Sweaty Bandito, what is happening? First of all, I can't really speak to your comment other than to say, yeah, I agree. I wish, not just in games, but in movies, I just wish there was more of a uh, like all-tears-welcome thing. That's actually what was kind of nice about the Sonic the Hedgehog movie is like, you watch it and like, yeah, it's Sonic the Hedgehog, which is a big franchise. It's a big property, but like they made a pretty like modest budget, small scale movie considering the property they were working with. They're like, yeah, it's just a small story about, you know, a guy who's like sick of where he's from and wants to see something bigger. And most of the movies filmed like on this like small road trip, nowhere America and the small town. It's like, 
a pretty modestly sized movie with a modest budget. And I wish we would see more of that in movies again. I wish we'd see more of that in games again. I'd love to see more double A games where it's just like, hey, here's a fun, wacky idea for a game that's about having fun and doing wacky shit instead of just always being like, we have to push the boundaries of an open world game. Instead of what that means to us here at Ubisoft, here at Nintendo Breath of the Wild, is that instead of having two billion things to do on the map, we want to put four trillion things on the map. We want you to talk to all the NPCs who will help, who will tell you that they'll give you 50 credits if you find their cat from the tree and then fight the same uh, group of gangsters in Spider-Man for the billionth time. That is a really good idea for open world game it's going to immerse you we might even put a vr mode in the game if you do all those things so it's like I, I i don't care man just make a fucking fun game i don't care if the game is short i don't care if the game is small in terms of like technical achievement i just want the game to be fun sometimes i think fun triumphs uh, groundbreaking or size so i agree with you there now here i am on bing which is the only search engine worth a damn and I'm looking up this thing that you're talking to me about, the Fredashina, whatever. Let's see if Bing tells me how to pronounce this so I can seem like less of an idiot here. There's no way to pronounce it. Okay, it's not going to tell me how it's supposed to be pronounced. So, Frenchesina, I don't fucking know. It, meaning little Frenchie or Frenchie in port, or simply a Frenchie in Portuguese, uh, is a Portuguese sandwich originally from Porto made with bread, wet cured ham, lingut. Guca linguccia, which uh, I don't know what that means, which is uh, a, a fresh sausage like chipolata, steak or roasted meat, and then covered with melted cheese and a hot, thick, spiced tomato or beer sauce, typically served with french fries. So, all right, thank you so much right now for turning me on to whatever the fuck this is, because Sweaty Bandito, I've never heard of this until just right now, and... While I can't pronounce the fucking name of it to save my pathetic white ass, I gotta be honest, this thing looks amazing. I'm looking at pictures of it. It looks like someone took a, a croque-madame, the French sandwich with a... Or is that a croque-monsieur? That French sandwich where you melt the cheese on top because they're French and they don't know how to make a sandwich right. But that, that awesome French sandwich with the melted cheese on top, it's like that... But with, like, fucking roasted beef and ham, it looks like a, a prime rib steak sandwich with fucking cheese and egg melted on top. This... Is a sandwich that looks like it was crafted by the gods. I don't know what the Portuguese are doing here, but simply put, this is God's work. I need to put one of these inside of me. If you have a recommendation, I've never seen this on the Taco Bell menu before, so if you could help me find a fast food chain restaurant that's going to give me some facsimile of this. I live in Orlando, Florida. We have a, a really big Brazilian population here. Uh, does that count? I know they speak Portuguese, so do they have this in any of their restaurants? Where the fuck can I put one of these inside of me on cheat day? This is... For some reason, I also am getting some pictures of girls with their painted fingernails. So that's a thing as well, but I'm not really interested in that. I'm more here for the sandwich. It looks like Chef Boyardee threw up all over prime rib and melted cheese on it. I need to put this inside of my body. What the fuck is this? I highly recommend you guys look into this sandwich. It looks really, really good. So thank you, Sweaty Bandito, for making me hungry while I'm trying to count my calories. Let's wrap up with some, some quick, fast-hitting comments. Eric Matheson says, I'd 100% be down for a Halo game night. Well, there's just another person uh, saying they want to do the game night. With that said, guys, let's, you know, we're almost at 800 subscribers on YouTube. If we can get this, the YouTube subscriber count to 1,000, I will consider uh, starting an OnlyFans account to fund a Halo game night. So let's subscribe on YouTube, guys. Let's make that happen. Sam Torres says, the Sonic movie was great. Sonic 2 ending the pandemic will be historic. Great show. You talked a lot about Xbox. Major Nelson should listen up. That's how it's done. Thank you, Sam. 
I've, I've been trying to say that forever, but Major Nelson does not respond to my handwritten letters. Adam Zeso says, Hi, the movie Stalker is gorgeous and a good addition to the game. The game is a bit scary and downright depressing with dark ambient music in the background. Thumbs up. Wish you good health, Adam. Well, thanks for writing in, Adam. I definitely need to check out that movie, but to be honest with you, I literally just now saw the Truman Show for the first time, so I'm I'm really struggling here to keep up with the movie industry. Now, I'm in the crib playing Fortnite with your grandma says, hello again, thanks for the shout-out. My name is a reference to something, so yeah, great show, again. While I'm in the crib playing Fortnite with your grandma, I think you could probably elaborate a little more on that, teasing us with the etymology or the, the history behind your name. Maybe you could elaborate a little more, you, you fucking tease. And then, lastly, my brother says, will you read this comment next week? Fuck. Uh, that's going to do it for all of our comments, shout outs and everything for this week, guys. Now that, you know, it's a slower news week, but of course we made it an hour into the show and we're just now finishing up with pod with the notes or comments, whatever. Fuck me. But remember for next week, guys, do not be shy. Don't be shy. Just do not, whatever you do, don't be shy. Reply. Next, we're going to jump into what I've been playing. But before I can tell you anything about that, I got to tell you what I've been eating. And we'll make this quick because we've already talked a lot about food. But I would like to just say this. I'm still counting calories, trying to lose some weight the unhealthy way by simply just putting in fewer calories, but still eating whatever I want so long as I stay under a certain calorie limit. And I got to say, guys, Taco Bell has been a fucking saving grace. And I know we've mentioned the bell quite a bit already on this episode. So let's be fast here. But they have certain food items you can only order from the mobile app if you order it from your phone that's the only way to get it and so i was like fuck it let's try it you know it's podcast night i'm not going home making dinner girlfriend wants those taco bell french fries we're doing it okay they have this thing called the power menu and i guess this is supposed to be like they're more like calorie conscious menu but it's basically like a rice bowl with chicken sour cream guacamole lettuce tomato onion beans you know it's like a little rice bowl like you'd get from like chipotle or fucking pollo tropical or something like that and but it's taco bell and these fuckers are five dollars in like under 500 calories for this rice protein bowl i'm like are you are you fucking kidding me it's like a full entree for like not even 500 calories and it's like a full meal like holy holy shit so i went ahead and i got a chicken uh rice bowl here a power bowl or whatever it is they call them and Dude, these things are awesome. Like, it's not my favorite. Like, it's it's no Chalupa, let's be honest. It's no Quesarito or Crunchwrap Supreme. It's not even a grilled cheese burrito or anything like that. But it's pretty damn good, and it's Taco Bell, and it's super low calorie. So this is going to be one of my new go-to things. Like, you could get this and, like, some chicken soft tacos and still be, like, in a decent calorie range for, like, a meal. Like, fuck sodium content. We're not even going to mention that. But, like, if all you give a shit about... If all you give a shit about is the calorie content, like, holy fuck. And remember, they have zero sugar Mountain Dew Baja Blast on tap. So it tastes awful, but it's still Mountain Dew Baja Blast. So, I mean, fuck. Like, Taco Bell... Shout out to you guys for being the best fast food restaurant for people who are trying to count the calories while not sacrificing the most important meal, which is the fast food. So that is something I just want to share with you guys. Now, alternatively, Conviction Chicken is a new like pop-up restaurant that I've been seeing on like the Uber Eats and the DoorDash. I looked into this because I went to a TGI Fridays on my cheat day to pick up a to-go order for some cheat food from my favorite restaurant, TGI Fridays. I love you. And I noticed that they had these signs up for Conviction Chicken. So I look it up, and apparently TGI Fridays has started like a new Uber Eats, DoorDash-only little chicken restaurant out of the kitchen of TGI Fridays. So the food is made and operated out of TGI Fridays restaurants, 
but it's like a chicken restaurant. And the only way to order it is through food delivery apps like DoorDash and Uber Eats and Postmates. So I haven't ordered from it and I plan on trying it eventually, but like, I just want to put this out there. TGI, look at them sneakily getting into other markets. They say, uh-uh, Jesse, we're not going to, we're not going to file for bankruptcy. We're not going to go out without a good fight. You know, I know no one wants to come and eat here, especially in a pandemic, but we're TGI, goddammit. And as, you know, as long as we're around, we promise to make it Friday every day. And so now they got the conviction chicken and I got to go out of my way and figure out what this thing's all about. Looks good. They got chicken sandwiches. They got chicken wings. They've got, you know, chicken stuff. They got this brownie bar that looks good. So might have to check that out on a cheat day in the coming weeks. Now, that's what I've been eating or thinking about eating at least. But as for what I've been playing, I I know I said I was going to get back to the medium. But hey, at least I'm not playing Black Ops Cold War anymore. At least I'm playing something else. I just got in this weird kick to play Forza Horizon. So I spent the whole week playing mostly Forza Horizon 4, but a little bit of Forza Horizon 3 as well. And I just got to be honest, like, this feels so good because when Forza Horizon 4 came out at a bad time, like 3 came out at a perfect time where I was ready for a new Forza game. And it was so good when it came out. I played so much of it. But when 4 came out, I just wasn't in the mood for Forza. And I've, I've played the game maybe cumulatively like 6 or 8 hours over the years, but I've never like really sat down and played the fuck out of Forza Horizon 4. And so this week's just been really nice because it's finally like clicking with me and I'm finally in the mood to really play some Forza Horizon. So I've been going through four all the dlc was on sale so i got like the hot wheels or the lego dlc and everything for like next to nothing all the car dlc for like it's like 20 bucks for like every piece of dlc all together it was a really great deal so i've just been enjoying the hell out of that game kind of just ticking off everything on the map having a great time and i also went back and played a little forza horizon 3 because even though they delisted the game now because of licensing issues and everything i gotta be honest I think I prefer Forza Horizon 3 just a little bit, and I tweeted out about this the other day. I, I really feel like the combination of, like, the Australia setting over the Great Britain setting, no, no disrespect to our, our friends across the pond, but, like, the Australia setting from Forza Horizon 3 was just a cooler setting. It was, like, a more adventurous and fun setting for a open-world arcade racing game than, like, Great Britain, which, you know, has tons of beautiful scenery, and the way they implemented the seasons is really good in that game, but... It's just not, I don't know, it's like not as fun and adventurous as a setting. So that's something I can't get over. And then the fact that they had the awesome Hot Wheels DLC in 3, but not in 4, is like, what, what are we doing here? Like, the Lego DLC is fine, but like, Hot Wheels DLC in Forza, that's that's a match made in heaven. Like, I want more Hot Wheels DLC. So that, and apparently, like, there's no Teslas in, in Forza Horizon 4, but there are in Horizon 3. So like, let's get some, let's get some Teslas in these Forza games, guys, okay? But, um, yeah, I mean, those are the two games I've been playing a lot. Really enjoying the hell out of them. In fact, I really wish I was playing Forza Horizon 4 right now uh, more than editing this podcast the rest of the night. But, nonetheless, with all that said, guys, let's jump into the news. We're a solid hour and 48 minutes in, and all we've talked about is Taco Bell and how I'm mad at Nintendo and what podcasts I listen to. All right, our, our first story here is that in the lead up to the release of the Xbox Series X and S in 2020, Microsoft detailed enhancements being worked on for backwards compatibility, such as doubling frame rates on select titles. Now this feature is being officially revealed as Xbox frames per second boost, enabling higher frame rates when playing certain backwards compatible games on Series X or S. The feature debuts with support for five games, depending on the exact title. Frame rates can be doubled or even quadrupled in some titles, such as New Super Lucky's Tale, now running at 100 120 frames per second on Series X. You can check out the initial batch of games 
below, which is Far Cry 4, which now runs at 60 FPS, which I'm going to have to go back and see because I love Far Cry 4. New Super Lucky's Tale running at 120 FPS, Sniper Elite 4 running at 60 FPS, UCF 4 running at 60 FPS, and Watch Dogs 2 running at 60 FPS. Oddly enough, Fallout 4, the game first shown using the feature in action back in 2020, is not among the first group of games to be supported, though it's possible that additional testing is required. The boost for UCF4 specifically to the Series S because the Xbox One X original version of the game, which is enabled on Series X, already unlocked that frame rate. So that's a Series S upgrade right there. It is also worth noting that you don't have to have the game in order to take advantage of this um, feature. So it will also work if the game is being played through Game Pass. Microsoft states that more games will be added to FPS boost very soon, while later in the spring, players will be able to get visual indications that the game is being played with FPS boost boost and will have the option of toggling the feature on or off per game on a per game basis rather as long as the title being played supports fps boost this on and off toggle per game will also be added for auto hdr features as well so to my friend hunter who is not happy with the auto hdr in red dead redemption 2 it looks like you'll be able to turn that off eventually See, Daddy listens. He remembers and he listens. All right, so this is a really, really cool feature that we're getting here on Xbox, and uh, I d it kind of makes me want to go back and play a little Far Cry 4, which is my favorite Far Cry, just because this is the kind of stuff I like to see more than anything, more than auto HDR, more than like, oh, we... We fixed the resol we fixed the resolutions a little bit. So it's closer to 4K. Now it's 3.8K. I'd rather see this stuff because I want games to run smooth. You know, it's like it's really nice to have a game look pretty, but I think this is the bigger shame, especially when going back and playing older games. It's like, oh, this game holds up. It's still fun to play, but like, ugh, 30 FPS. Oh, it performs like shit. So if you can get the game, you know, it's one thing again to have like auto HDR. It's like, oh, it looks a little prettier and everything, but it's like to have the game perform better, like, oh, it's smoother, it's easier to play, the motion's right, like, it's not choppy and ruining my ability to fucking play this game now that I'm used to and accustomed to modern gaming. Like, the fact that we're adding that kind of shit in through an update that just retroactively makes old games better, that's the stuff I like to see. That's like the, this is why we're here for Xbox kind of thing. And I, and I love that Xbox continues to become this platform where it's not about you know, oh, I'm playing a Series X game or a Xbox One game. It's like, it doesn't matter. It's like, I'm playing an Xbox game and my new Xbox makes my Xbox games look and run new and good because it's a new Xbox. And that's what this whole thing is about. It's not about, is a game backwards compatible? Does it support this feature, enable this? It's literally just about like, you own an Xbox and you play Xbox games on said Xbox and the newer and the more powerful the Xbox you buy, the more and more it should make all the Xbox games look and play better. So that's what I love about this feature is it's really true to that mantra of like blurring the lines of generations. I think more than anything, when you hear Phil talk about the whole like blurring the lines of generations and the generation to end generations, of course, you know, to a large extent, that's just PR talk. We don't fucking know. Maybe there'll be a new generation of Xbox and they'll one day cut a hard line between the Series X and the whatever the next thing is. I We, we don't fucking know. But at least as far as like defending that kind of argument or that marketing speak, I think these are the kinds of moves that really do justify those those words. And it's because, again, this is what this is what blurs the line. You know, it's like we think about backwards compatibility on old consoles. It's like, oh, yeah, the Xbox 360 played a bunch of old Xbox One games, but it would just emulate an Xbox original on your 360. It was like, OK, it's nice. It's cool. You can play the game. That's that's great. But now we're just getting closer and closer to this whole, like, getting rid of generations things. Because it's like, yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter if you bought a, a 1, a 1X, a Series S, a Series X. It's like, you got your Xbox. 
you put the game in rather rather whether it's like grab by the ghoulies or fucking uh, lost planet one or rise son of rome or uh, halo infinite it doesn't matter what generation what game it is whatever you put it in it's going to play on that xbox and it's going to optimize the the looks and feel of the game based on what the capabilities of that console are much like a pc it doesn't matter you know it's not like ah well you're playing a dell you're playing a dell X, xps so xps doesn't support uh, red dead redemption 2 on pc you got to get at least a lenovo in order to play the fucking red dead redemption and it's like ah oh, man if you, you know it's a console exclusive it's a, you can you can only play gears tactics on the fucking surface book but you know if you got if you got yourself one of those newfangled razor books you can play uh, the the whole gears of war franchise it's like no, man, it's not, it's not like that. It's just like, how powerful is your computer? What kind of graphics card you got in there? What kind of processor you got in there? It's like, cool, you can play any PC game. You just got to have decent enough specs to make it run appreciable. And that's kind of what we're getting on Xbox. It's like, no, it doesn't matter what you got. It's like, do you have Xbox? Yes. Okay, it plays Xbox games. How well it plays them? Eh, just depending on, like, you got the really expensive one, you got the middle-of-the-road one, but, like, you're going to play your games on Xbox. It's just, you know, it, I love I love this whole thing of just blurring the lines of the generations and just making everything accessible and just making, like, oh, the expensive ones run things better, but even the affordable ones still make everything play and look good, and it's just, I don't know, it's just, it's just a win-win thing for all. And, and Additionally, it just makes Xbox the definitive place to play, especially when you consider that Xbox is in the unique position. You know, I'd say PlayStation's pretty much in a similar spot, but specifically Xbox more than anyone, where it's like they just haven't changed the gamepad enough over the years or made any of their games really reliant on other control methods, save for like the three Kinect games that are, you know, now dead, like completely forgotten. But they haven't really like changed the controller in any way whatsoever, the way we interact with and input with games. So we have this added benefit benefit on Xbox where it's like it doesn't matter how old that Xbox original game you're playing is it works just fine with any modern input method for Xbox you know and PlayStation mostly has this with the exception of like some like touch bar bullshit they've done here and there which you could argue they could fix that kind of stuff but like Xbox has this clean clean thing where it's like you know, it's it's like computer again. It's like, oh, you got a keyboard and mouse? Cool, you can play anything. Doesn't matter what keyboard and mouse, you just got to have that. So the Xbox is the same way. It's like, oh, you got a gamepad? Cool, you can play literally anything. And there's just, because there's that coherency and that consistency over the years, it's just like, you just got to have an Xbox to play Xbox games. There's no there's no magic trick. There's no stipulation. It's not like, you know, Nintendo literally just revealed that they're putting Zelda Skyward Sword on the Switch, which is amazing because that game would have been stranded on Wii with its motion controls, but now they're able to emulate the motion controls with the Nintendo Switch Joy-Cons, but if you get the Nintendo Switch that doesn't have the Joy-Cons, it's just a tablet only, they had to come with a whole new control scheme to make it work, and it's even a miracle that that's happening, because you would think, wow, that game's completely dead and stranded on Wii now, because Nintendo keeps making different controllers every generation, and you just think about that stuff, it's like, Xbox never has to deal with that. Xbox is just like, hey, here's the same controller, it's just refined. Here's the same console, it's just beefier and with better specs you know it's like it's always xbox you just you know new ones make it look and run better old ones are still xbox it's all xbox and that's exactly what these kinds of features and stories tell me which is that xbox is really a one-stop platform for just all gaming content and i love it and i love seeing them double and triple down on this and uh i'm, I'm here for it i'm excited for it I'm, I'm excited to see what games they continue to add these things for hey guys 
this is my recommendation. Make Sonic Unleashed run at 120 FPS on Series X. Please and thank you. Okay, our next story here is about the new Xbox wireless headset which makes me so freaking salty and sad. But nonetheless, let's jump into it. So I, I somehow deleted this from my notes. Let me pull it up again. So the other day, Microsoft basically just was like, hey, surprise, uh, new Xbox headset. And basically they announced official Xbox wireless headset coming out on March 16th for $99. So it is an official Xbox branded made by Microsoft wireless headset for Xbox. It works on Xbox One, Xbox Series consoles, and uh, also on Windows and mobile devices. So you can use this on your iPhone, your Android, your Windows computer, your Xbox, anything you want. Anywhere you can play Xbox, whether it's through xCloud or PC or Xbox console, you can use this headset. It's $99, it has an adjustable mic, it has these turnable knobs on the side that are really reminiscent of actually Microsoft Surface headphones, uh, which have like the little dials that spin so on the ear cups. So it's a lot like that. It's obviously has Bluetooth support, auto mute or tractable mic. So the auto mute can, you know, block out noise from like soft breathing or background noise. So it only picks up your voice when you're talking. It's supposed to have high quality audio, 15 hours of battery life, 30 minute uh, charge to get four hours of battery or a three hour charge to get a full 15 hour battery. It's like super affordable for what it is. It's, it's a crazy, awesome looking, awesome quality, awesome value headset here that they've, that they've released. And it's a, uh, it, kind of came out of nowhere. So I, I don't know. This is a, I don't know what to really say about this other than it's so weird that it's taken them this long to really get into this. I know they put out other like Microsoft branded or Xbox branded accessories like headsets and stuff in the past, but they haven't really done one in a long time. They haven't put this much effort into one in a heart in a long time, which, you know, now that I think about it is really weird considering that considering that, you know, over the past few years, they've been making surface headphones and earbuds like i i literally use surface wireless earbuds every day it's it's my earbud of choice and microsoft's been investing in this technology for surface but they just haven't been using it for xbox which is so weird considering that gaming headsets are such an important part of gaming in general so it's it's a natural step to see them finally release this i just can't believe how long it took for them to really approach this but i guess at the start of a new console is a pretty decent time uh but yeah these things sold out instantly they went live on amazon and the microsoft store and they were just out in seconds so hopefully if you weren't able to get one i wasn't able to get one hopefully able to find them in stock soon i'm sure they'll keep making them i'm sure these will be very successful so excited to see how they pan out when they come out if people are liking them but I'm really intrigued by these. I was actually in the market for a new gaming headset because my Turtle Beaches that I bought right when the Xbox One first came out are really shitting the bed now. And I was looking at those new Razer Xbox uh, headphones that they, they just put out. They put out two versions of it. The one for PC and Xbox is like 150. So I was thinking about buying that one. I was kind of like on the on the fence a little bit about it. Wasn't crazy about the price. And now that these are announced for 99 bucks with all the same features and it's official Xbox gear, like I'm I'm 100% sold on it. I cannot wait to get my hands on these as soon as they come out. Maybe I'll just go out the day they come out and see if they're available at Best Buy or something. I don't fucking know. But anyway, I mean, these just look awesome. I don't know what to say. I think the design's awesome. It has some really unique functionality. It borrows from the best features of Surface. It's a crazy good value. It's the official Microsoft or Xbox branded one. It's going to work everything from everywhere from your Xbox to your Android phone to your computer. So no matter where you're playing Xbox, you got your headset compatible. I I, th I think this looks like one of the best deals in gaming. And I, I'm confident that they can nail this because I don't know what it is. But at some point, like 10 to 15 years ago, Microsoft just like sat down and was like, hey, we're going to we're gonna, even though we're called Microsoft, we're going to just start ma getting micro hard. 
and just make like kick-ass hardware. And they've just been making some of the best hardware out there. So the thought of them making an official Xbox headset, I have a lot of confidence in because Xbox is great hardware. Xbox controllers are great. The Elite Pro controllers are great. Surface hardware is great. And a lot of the Surface team works with the Xbox team these days on these kinds of things. So I wouldn't be surprised to find out that there's a lot of Surface ingenuity in these headphones. And for 99 bucks, official Xbox gear, that sounds extraordinarily promising. So I, I, I don't know. I just, I'm pretty damn excited and intrigued to see these things once they come out, get my hands on one and see what people are thinking about them. But yeah, I mean, if you're in the heads, if you're in the market for a new headset, I mean, fuck, this is uh, look no further. This looks like a pretty damn good value and a really awesome product. So we'll keep our eyes on that. Um, but moving on, speaking of inputs and, and controller functionality, Microsoft also released some more information about their commitment to to accessibility in gaming. So the article from Windows Central reads, over the past years, accessibility has become an increasingly important part in, the in, gaming, in game development to help bring games to as many people as possible. Xbox especially has been a massive advocate for better accessibility in gaming. And then today, or this week, Microsoft and their gaming accessibility team announced updates to their gaming accessibility efforts with a new program for game developers. In 2018, Xbox launched the excellent Adaptive Controller, which allows players who might have difficulty using standard controllers to build customized setups that suit their specific needs. In 2020, Xbox launched the Xbox Accessibility Guidelines, a comprehensive series of best practices to drive accessibility in gaming forward and help game devs make their projects as accessible as possible. Today, Xbox announced that they're updating their Xbox Accessibility Guides with tons of improvements to make them easier to use uh, and easier to understand and even more thorough for devs. Improvements include clear language, improved overviews, scoping questions and focus areas, education, educational background information, and guideline examples. However, However, beyond these crucial improvements, Microsoft is also launching an industry first, a platform provided program that can test Xbox and PC games against Xbox's adaptive uh, guidelines and, and provide game devs with feedback on how to improve their games in an effort to make them more compatible. Uh, this includes screenshots, examples, re reproduction steps, and information about which certain aspects of any title that may not be accessible to gamers. Xbox's new program will also provide information and relevant links to accessibility and inclusivity and technical documentation, industry experts, and nonprofit accessibility organizations. Finally, gamers with disabilities are included in the testing program so that every game tested against the guidelines is also played by members of the gaming and disabled community. These vital testers will also provide their own feedback and insights into what can be improved in the games. So this is really cool. Uh, I think this is this actually, you know, as someone who's, you know, as so as as someone who you know gets by just fine with a regular gamepad and and doesn't actually have much of a, a personal utility for an adaptive controller. This actually puts to rest my one big criticism of the adaptive controller, which is, you know, it's awesome that the adaptive controller gives people the the tool and the foundation to build whatever it is they need to make games accessible and playable. But at the same time, that doesn't solve all the problems. Hardware can only be so much of it. And, and a set of guidelines can only do so much. At some point, you got to give developers who maybe aren't familiar with these things the tools to help them kind of, you know, easily guide through this whole like, hey, how do we how do we design games in a way that makes them more accessible? And how do we make things in such a way that, you know, not only people have the hardware to 
customize and work around the game we've created, but also a way that makes our game kind of mindful of and catering to the types of ways people might need to modify their controller setup in order to enjoy this experience, if that makes sense. So I, I think this is a really, really awesome step, you know, because, and most importantly, much like Microsoft's famous, you know, insider programs that they do for Windows and for Xbox, this provides an insider program for uh, gamers with disabilities to be like, hey, we're, you know, we're testing this feature, you guys thought this is a good implementation or that we should do this this way, we're playing it, Here, here's our feedback, you know, here's what works, here's what doesn't work, and ultimately this is going to be the kind of thing that, that makes this like not just a nice novelty that's helpful for some, but a viable feature that works for all gamers with disabilities. So I think this is a really, really awesome thing and it's it's been crazy cool to see Microsoft just really lean hard into this. And I, I hate talking about this because this is the kind of stuff that makes me feel like I'm some like cucky paid off like Microsoft fanboy. Listen, Microsoft's not a perfect company and they've done tons of shitty things. And let's not let's not put them on a pedestal. They're a massive corporation that's in, in the business of making money and they and they fucking condone basically child slavery by being like any tech company and having their products produced in in China where like children are exploited for slave labor and you know fa factories like Foxconn where they create the Xboxes and Surface products that we so enjoy here you know in in more privileged parts of the world so let's I, I'm not trying to paint Microsoft to be like this perfect hero and obviously it's a massive corporation with tons of good and bad actors so I, I just want to I, I want to preface with like I'm not some Microsoft nut job fanboy who's just gonna like jerk them off at every corner but Maybe this is my own ignorance. I don't know how to see what they do at Team Xbox with, you know, gamers with disabilities and the adaptive controller and this initiative. I don't know how to look at this in any way other than like, this is a great thing that makes me like really proud to love Microsoft and be part of like this, this fandom and this like enthusiasm, this enthusiast kind of corner of the world because... This is the kind of stuff I love. This is why I love Microsoft. This is why I love Tesla. Is I love companies that are like that are kind of forward thinking, innovative, and, and it's not just about like making the same shit and selling it to you a million ways. It's about thinking like how can we meet the needs of today's world. And it, it's it's crazy to think of like gaming as like this massive form of entertainment that's just blown up and everyone loves it and it's it's more lucrative than the movie industry and all this shit. But you think about movies, it's like pretty much anyone can enjoy a movie. You just fucking look at it and you just watch. You just listen and hear. If you're deaf, you can read it because subtitles, uh, it's just like, it's this thing that's just like available to all, right? Movies. But gaming is such a, it's such an active input-based you know, medium of entertainment, no fucking shit, that it inherently brings all these caveats and and just challenges to it that other forms of, of entertainment don't deal with. And the fact that it's like, you know, you think about it this way, like, Gaming has gone on for as long as it has without these kinds of things really being properly and in, in like loudly addressed. It's kind of mind blowing. It's like think about all these gamers with disabilities that would struggle to play like an NES game or Super NES game or an N64 game or an Xbox original or an Xbox 360 game. It's like what do these gamers just done throughout these years? They've just been like, oh, gaming looks fun. Fuck me. I can't really enjoy it properly. It's 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 kind of crazy to think that we're just so happy to like innovate in gaming in terms of like, oh, we made worlds bigger and prettier and consoles have more power and now your controller vibrates in new ways because that's what next gen's all about. And it's like, cool, these are all nice features and nice, cool ways to step forward. But it's like, we're not really innovating and making gaming like this thing that's for all and, and really meeting the actual needs. Like, like, do gamers desperately need triggers to have like new forms of rumble and for games to be like in 4k all the time it's like 
no, those things are really nice and we like them and it's cool, but it's not super necessary. It's like, but is there an actual need where there's like swaths of gamers in the world who cannot enjoy games because they have specific disabilities that limit their their usage of like a traditional gamepad it's like well yeah and so the fact that like microsoft not only it wasn't just like a one time like we'll, we'll throw you a bone here we made this controller go fuck yourselves figure out what to do with it you know it's like they didn't just make that and walk away it's like they're like no no, no we gotta like keep running with this like here are some guidelines here's a testing program here's an insider program here's a way to offer your feedback here's a, a way for a community to come together and really like not only just make their games around this, but to get feedback and then to start thinking from a like a development standpoint about these things from like the beginning, from like the genesis of a of of, of a game idea rather than like shoehorning accessibility features in at the end of a game when you're optimizing and prepping it for launch. So I, I just the thought that like this is something that Microsoft didn't just do and leave. This is something that they're like actively constantly working on and caring about and invested in is so exciting because it's like, no, it's not like a new Halo game I get to play, but it is something that makes this medium accessible for all and really brings it into the future because, you know, if there's no such thing as like an entertainment forum or like a product of the future or something that's like available to some, it's like, you know, it's like gaming shouldn't be this thing where it's like, oh, well, you got to be young and agile enough or you got to have perfect hand-eye coordination or you got to have perfect vision or uh, you got to have the perfect 10 finger setup and in perfect muscle memory and and uh, like just I you can't you can't tell a person like you have to have all these requirements all these specific requirements to be a gamer because then at some point it stops being this thing for everyone and therefore it ceases to matter to everyone so just the fact that Microsoft you know no matter how big or small of a change this may seem like to most people who just get to play games regular, no matter what these things really fucking matter. And to see them take this incredibly seriously and not just be like, Oh, here's a tool, but like here's a program and here's more tools and here's ways we can help other people use our tools and give feedback shows that like they're actually committed to making a difference in this regard. And I think this is the kind of stuff that's really exciting because this is the kind of stuff that truly makes a difference and makes these things more inclusive and welcoming to all. And, uh, I mean, isn't it, wouldn't that be the better story of, of gaming in the past, you know, in recent years, not that like the Xbox series X makes games look really pretty cause it's super powerful, but rather it's like, thanks to like this program and the accessibility controller and services like xCloud, it's like we're able to serve gamers with different abilities. We're able to serve people in markets where buying a $500 home console isn't really viable option. We're able to service people in places where it's like, we don't even have access to home consoles. We only have access to like smartphones and computers. So this is the stuff that Xbox does that like makes me like in a weird fanboy sense, like proud to be a Microsoft fan because it's like, I see this and it's like, I acknowledge that this isn't necessarily for me. Like I don't really have any personal use for the adaptive controller. I don't really give two shits about playing X cloud because I'm happy to play Xbox in my apartment, on my couch, on my TV. But I love that these are things Xbox is passionate about and that they're actively working towards because it's like only once it's available and accessible to all is it really a viable, like, is it really a welcoming medium in form of art and entertainment for everyone to enjoy? And I just, I don't know. This is the kind of stuff that gets me excited over that. But again, I, I want to preface with Microsoft's not a perfect company, 
because I, I don't know how to say that without me sounding like, well, today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Microsoft. Give me money and I'll say good things about your brand. So I, I don't want it to sound that way, but it uh, that, that stuff, I don't know. I That's that's really feel-good news and really exciting stuff uh, for everyone, in my opinion. But let's move on with some uh, less cucky uh, takes from me. So Halo Wars 2, which launched in 2017 to decent amount of uh, praise with a fun story, great villains and a large spread of online modes, blah, blah, blah. The game also uh, got well-received DLC with a horde style mode complete with additional campaign beats. Beyond that, though, the game hasn't enjoyed the best support from Microsoft over the years, despite having a passionate fan base. In 2019, fans of Halo Wars started a petition to further updates of the game and microsoft responded by saying its focus was entirely on the master chief collection microsoft also said that they may revisit the franchise in the future but in an update on halo waypoint this week halo developer 343 industries reiterated that there are no plans for a sequel or for updates in the halo wars universe at this time their quote reads we always strive to be open, honest, and transparent with our community, and we know that many of you have been waiting, asking, and hoping for news of the future of Halo Wars 2. We want to acknowledge that we've had that we've heard that we've heard you and make sure that you know that this feedback and these topics do in do indeed get brought up to the right folks across the studio for further evalu- evaluation. In the past, we've noted uh, the publishing team was fully focused on Master Chief Collection. We had no current plans to return to Halo Wars 2. Now, with all the titles on PC, we've seen these questions popping up again, Through uh, although 343 publishing team is still working on more Master Chief Collection seasonal content, along with a variety of features and further improvements. It's not always easy to be open and transparent, particularly when we when we expect it's not the answer that the community wants to hear, but we want to give it to you straight. 343 Industries has no current plans to further Halo Wars 2 work, including content updates, balance patches, bringing the title to other platforms, or a new game in the series. We will, however, continue to monitor the game and ensure that everything is working as expected. Yes, we did use the word currently because it's the truth. As of today, there is no plan for the development team to re-engage with Halo Wars 2, and we aren't working on a new game in the series at this time. But we're specifically never going to say never because, well, who knows what the future may bring. End quote. The news will come as a as a blow to those who have remained passionate about the game, hoping for updates, balances, tweaks, and bug fixes. Alas, though, it looks like we're not going to get them now or in the near future. First thing, I think this is a really commendable way that they address this. I love the way they basically just, like, straight out spoon-fed it to you. They're just like, guys, right now, the answer is no. Halo Wars is dead as of right this second. Is it dead in five years? I don't know. Who knows? And the reason why I think they say that part in particular is because I think Halo Wars was dead after Halo Wars 1. I think the odds of there being a Halo Wars 2 were slim to none. I think Halo Wars 2 was kind of more than anything born out of like a a need for more first party content and like making a Halo Wars 2 was kind of a like kind of like a not too big of an undertaking thing to to farm out to like a like a another studio that does like RTSs and that's kind of why we got Halo Wars 2. That's that's my general guess here. Um, on why we ever got that, but he- here's the reality of the matter, guys. Halo Wars 2 did not perform well. I know people like it critically. I know fans of the game like it. Listen, I'm a huge Halo fan. Halo's like my fucking shit. Halo Wars 2 is awesome. I even recently replayed through the game and all of its DLC, and yeah, I stand by it. Halo Wars 2 is fucking awesome. I love how it's going to have such a massive impact on the Halo universe from a storytelling perspective with the introduction of, of the Banished, and Atriox and all this shit. It's so cool 
that the events of Halo 5 and Infinite are so intrinsically tied to Halo Wars 2. I, I love, love, love the Halo Wars universe. I think those games have no right being as good as they are on console, and I would love for there to be more Halo Wars, but, like, let's just be super honest. Like, outside of passionate Halo fans, no one talked about Halo Wars. No one bought it. No one played it. No one talked about it. This was not a big game. This is... It was weird in 2017 when... um. Halo Wars 2 came out because it was like, hey guys, there's a new Halo game out today and no one said anything, no one gave a shit. That's not supposed to happen when something with the Halo brand comes out on shelves. Like when a new Halo product comes out, the world's supposed to stop and take notice. It's that big a franchise. So the fact that Halo Wars 2 kind of just came and went without so much as like a, a a peep from anyone outside the Halo community tells you that this game did not perform well like and I know that's just anecdotal and Microsoft isn't talking here about much else and you know Game Pass skews everything but if we're being super honest Halo Wars 2 bombed it did not do well it doesn't make sense for them to go back and be like well the game made like no fucking money and no one gave a shit about it but come on these fans really want to see more of it I think they're stuck in this place of like we can't be doing this because no one gives a shit about it but the, this is the part that trips me up the most, though, is Halo Wars 2 came out, like, just about a year before Game Pass came out and really became a thing. So, I, I, what I always wonder is, what if Halo Wars 2 was, like, a game that launched alongside Game Pass? What if it was, like, the game to start Game Pass and to sell Game Pass? What would the story have been like then? Or... Or better yet, what if Halo Wars 2 was a game that came out like a year or two ago when Game Pass was starting to really pick up steam? Because at that point, we would have gotten a better... And I think maybe the best thing to compare this to, actually, modern-wise, would be Gears Tactics. Like, how is Gears Tactics doing? Because that game launched into Game Pass. So, is that game doing really well? Are a lot of people on Game Pass like, fuck yeah, let's give this a try. Wow, this game's really good. Like, because I feel like Gears Tactics is is Gears of War's equivalency to Halo Wars, right? So, if Gears Tactics is a game that might not do well on its own, but thanks to Game Pass is really, really excelling, then I think that's the kind of anecdotal evidence you need to justify Halo Wars. But the weird thing about Halo Wars is the first one obviously came out way before there was ever a Game Pass back on the 360 in 2009. But then the second one came out a full year before Game Pass really became a thing. So we'll never know what it was like for Halo Wars to you know benefit or not from from Game Pass. But the way I think of it is like, Halo Wars is exactly the kind of game that you look to Game Pass for. It's like this whole, like, I wouldn't spend 60, 70 bucks on that, but I would definitely play it if it was in Game Pass, or I would definitely give it a shot if I could try it for free. And that's, you know, that's why we have Game Pass, and I think that's the perfect kind of game for it. So it almost seems funny in a way to be like, yeah, we're giving up on Halo Wars at a time where Game Pass is our main selling point, because that's the thing that could really get eyes on Halo Wars finally, once and for all. But at the same time, it's like, hey, I mean, how thin do you want to stretch the Halo team, okay? It's like, we got all this stuff to focus on. Halo Wars, for the second time in a row now, has proven itself to not be a real lucrative deal for us. And right now, we got to get all hands on deck focusing on making Infinite not suck, because there's a lot riding on this game. And so it's this whole thing of like, we can't be thinking about Halo Wars right now. It just, it's not about whether or not you want it or you love it. I understand all those things, but we just can't afford to be dividing our attention in so many places right now and of all things be focusing on Halo Wars, a franchise that we all love, 
but doesn't do well. It doesn't bring in the money. It doesn't bring the attention. Like we just can't be focusing our efforts on that right now. Halo Wars is something you do when Halo as a franchise is on cloud nine and everyone loves it and you can do no wrong. It's like, ah, why not? Here's a fucking extra spinoff game. Halo Wars, you know, that's, that's how Halo Wars one came out. And I'm sure that was, you know, where that game probably got the success it got was from that. But Halo Wars 2 came out in such a different state. Halo Wars 2 came out after Halo 5 when everyone hated Halo. After Halo 5 when people were like, Halo's not as good as it used to be. It's not as relevant as it used to be. Halo Wars 2 came out a year before Game Pass. Halo Wars 2 came out at a bad time. And the only thing that should have helped Halo Wars is it came out kind of when there was a first party drought. And even then it still didn't make much of a dent. And it came out like early in the year, so like after the holiday game releases, so again, I think it's one of these things where like, we can't talk about Halo in any other way other than Halo Infinite right now, because it's just got to be all hands on deck on getting that game out the door, making it the best it can be, making sure we don't botch the Halo franchise at this point, and then once Infinite's out the door, once it's had a successful launch and everything's gone well, then we can take a sigh of relief and start thinking on you know, the rest of the Halo universe. But again, right now it really has to be a whole like, Hey, put that, that small money shit on hold right now. We, it's, it, it's about infinite. So that's really the only way I can look at that. But, um, it's, it really sucks. I know we all love Halo Wars, so whatever. But speaking of Halo, according to Halo Waypoint and from Windows Central in a Halo Infinite update from this past week, uh, we got some New information kind of about the Halo sandbox and Halo Infinite. And 343 was detailing some uh, more information about that. And so they're going in deep, uh, in depth about the vehicles and they're kind of the way they've been revamped for Halo Infinite. Talking about vehicle uh, effectiveness and reduced in dynamic ways uh, as players damage the vehicle and kind of how those things affect the vehicle. So, for example, players that shoot Warthog's uh, wheels will be able to make it harder for drivers to drive the vehicle and to like steer it and handle it. And this big shift away, this this is an intentional big shift away from Halo's visual, Halo's usual vehicle mechanics. But it sounds like the gameplay interaction will be a lot more interesting. They're trying to make it more dynamic and make vehicles more of a dynamic part of the battle. So some information on grappling hooks uh, was also detailed. Specifically, they stated that players uh, who are skilled enough can use the grappling hook to latch onto a banshee and then hijack it from its pilot. So that will just be the coolest thing in the world to see. Additionally, they also confirmed that the grappling hook will be able to pull weapons uh, to the player using it, uh, which will no doubt be an incredibly effective power when power weapons are uh, appearing on the map using that grappling hook to snatch that bitch out of thin air. If every um, pickup is as useful and as interesting as the grappling hook, uh, you know, then we can have a pretty balanced experience there, but that, that is a little bit of a red flag for balancing. Finally, a major piece of news they wanted to share uh, at three, four, three is that they are planning to add lots of weapons old and new to Halo Infinite after its launch. So even though the game will only launch with a specific number of weapons, they will be adding plenty of weapons into the sandbox over time, meaning that the game will constantly evolve and rebalance itself. Kind of like Halo 5, which I know a lot of people hated, but that excites me because I like when things get added and things change because it's fun. Uh, but yeah, so those are some updates coming to Halo Infinite. Not really much to talk about there other than to just kind of read it out so you're aware of it. But with that said, guys, that's going to do it for all of our major news stories of the week. Now we will jump into the important enough news stories, stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussion, of which we have a small handful, so we'll just blast these real quick. The first one's that Halo Developer 343 announced in a blog post that they do plan 
to have the next test flight for Master Chief Collection go live on February 18, 2021. The biggest highlight for the flight will include a new map for Halo 3 that was originally in Halo Online, but never in the actual proper Halo 3 game. It looks like the map will be set in some sort of UNSC outpost high up in the air amidst sev- uh, severely ice- icy glaciers. So that map looks fucking awesome. Can't wait to see more of that when it actually comes to the game. Also, next up, according to the report from The Verge, Microsoft stated that testing... Microsoft started testing xCloud through the web in its upcoming public preview. Uh, It's already been known that xCloud would be coming to the web, but now we have screenshots of it in action. And The Verge also notes that the preview is getting very close to rolling out soon. Next, Windows Central reports that 4A Games is working on a free next-gen upgrade to the 2019 game Metro Exodus, and the developer has shared what specifically players on Series X can expect from this upgrade, which is 4K 60fps on Series X, and on Series S, they're targeting 60fps at 1080p. So that game is getting a little bump there. And then next, a report, uh, rumors running around this week suggest that Ubisoft may be changing the name of the upcoming Rainbow Six Quarantine to Rainbow Six Parasite. Although Ubisoft has since spoken up about this, saying that Parasite is only the internal development name for the game and no official name change has been made as of yet. And lastly, Game Pass is getting some new games and losing some games in the coming days. So let's go through that real quick. So coming on February 18th, Code Vein will come to Game Pass on PC. On February 18th, also Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire Ultimate Edition will come to console and cloud. On February 18th, on cloud, console, and PC, Wreckfest will come out, which I just tried for the first time the other day. That game's actually pretty cool. Uh, On February 23rd, on console and cloud, Killer Queen Black will come out. Uh, which I played on Steam once forever ago, uh, so maybe I'll give that a try again. Uh, Dirt 5 is coming to cloud console and PC on February 25th, so that's that's probably the biggest one here. That's a pretty big get. That game just came out in November, remember that. So that's already a pretty good one from Codemasters. Uh, Elite Dangerous comes out to console on February 25th, and lastly on February 25th, PC will be getting super hot Mind Control Delete. Uh, additionally, we're not just getting games, we're of course losing a few, so on February 24th, Dirt 4 will be leaving Game Pass, so we're getting rid of Dirt 4 to get Dirt 5, which is fair enough, I think, and then on 20, on February 28th, we're losing a few other games, on console and PC, we're losing, uh, Momodora, uh, Reverie Under the Moonlight, PC is also losing Mother Mother Russia Bleeds and Oxenfree, uh, Oxenfree will also be leaving console as well, which sucks because I never finished that game. Uh, Jackpock, the Jackbox Party Pack will leave console, uh, and Vembrance Cold Soul will leave console and PC. So that's going to do it for all of our news this week, you guys. Uh, podcast is running a little long, which is, of course, no surprise, even though it's not a terribly long news week. We just got overindulgent in the comments, and by we, I mean me. So, new releases for Xbox this week, guys. From the Xbox blog, the Xbox Wire, we got nine new games coming to the console this week. We will go through these real fast by, of course, naming the game and talking about it out of context based on one screenshot and misrepresenting it entirely. On February 17th, we got Kick It Bunny, which is a game about physically harming bunnies, which is really not up my alley because you know how much I love bunnies. So, fuck that game. Boycott that game. Void Gore comes out on February 17th. This is about going into the void to share your gore pictures, uh, which people used to do a lot on Facebook, which is disgusting. But if you do it out in the void, no one will see it. So you just kind of look like a fucking perverted, crazy fucking idiot doing that. 
Anodyne 2 Return to Dust comes out February 18th. I like this. It looks like a fucking 3DS game. And then Boom Blaster comes out on February 19th where you play as like some anime cat shooting robots. Uh, Speaking of cats, uh, Ify comes out February 19th where you play some Fortnite-looking orc dwarf character. Um, But for some reason, there's a lot of water, so it looks like he might just drown because he's probably too too dwarf-like to swim. And then Gravity Heroes comes out February 19th. This game looks pretty cool. And then Puss comes out on February 19th, which is some game where there's like a picture of a cat screaming like Godzilla, but the screen is shaking and colorful like some kind of EDM remix. So there's a lot of cats in here. I don't know why. They made an, it looks like some kind of like rhythm game that's an homage to cats, which sounds like something that'd be pretty popular with my generation. Rodent Warriors comes out February 19th. It is such a shitty looking indie game that even Indiana Jones wouldn't want to give it a try. And speaking of indie, Speed Limit comes out February 19th. It's one of those games where it's so low pixel count that the characters all look like blobs, and you shoot the guy on the train, which looks like a ripoff of Call of Duty. So just go play Call of Duty. Activision could really use the support. Uh, Now, Games of Gold, reminder, February is an awesome month for Games of Gold, so please download all these games. For the rest of the month, you got Gears 5, Resident Evil Remake, Dandara, Trials of Fear Edition, or it's not Resident Evil Remake, it's uh, the like the port of Resident Evil, but whatever, it's like the HD port. Dandara, Trials of Fear is available February 16th to March 15th, so get that now. Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb is available, well, it's not available anymore, you missed it because you're a dumb bitch. And Lost Planet 2 is available now through the 28th, so download that game as well. But with that said, guys, that is it for our podcast this week. We've completed it. We've an hour and 55 minutes in. I got to edit it down a little bit. I'll be staying up tonight and doing that. But while I'm staying up editing, you know what I'm going to do, guys? I'm going to think about each and every one of you. I'm going to think about your names, the comments you've left over the years. And if I don't know your name and if you never left a comment, I'm still going to think about you because I can feel you. I can feel your energy. I can feel you're there on the other end listening. I know what you're using. You're using those Raycon earbuds that you got from using the promo code from that YouTuber you watch. You're using the AirPod Pros that you got for Christmas, and you said to all your coworkers and friends, oh, I I know the AirPods are stupid. I didn't didn't want the AirPods. You see, someone got them for me for Christmas. That's why I have them. I wouldn't spend 200 bucks on these. No, 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 no. I got these as a gift. I didn't buy these. Fucking liar. You know you want AirPods. Just own it. Admit it. I can feel you listening to me through those AirPods. I can feel you through your car speakers. Listening to the Xbox On podcast. And you know what I want to share with you as we have this connection in this moment, in this time? I want to tell you something my father once told me. He said, son, power your dreams.